Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. So still, oh, how build you kingdom in that house on the hill. Looking out for love, big, big love. Hello and welcome back to Bleeding Blue. We are on the Talking Giants YouTube channel. We are in your ears. We are on the podcast app. This is a Giants history podcast. Thank you for the feedback on the first week. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the reaction. Thank you for watching. It was a lot of fun breaking down some NFC championship, uh, all five, all five NFC championship games next two weeks. Next two weeks. We got to, uh, you know, kind of two weeks for the Super Bowl. Um, this week, we're going to be breaking down uh, 1987 Super Bowl twenty one. And also, we will be breaking down to, uh, Super Bowl 42 2008. Next week, we'll be doing the other two Super Bowls. I am with one of my best friends, Snacks. How are you doing? Welcome back. We're bleeding blue. Are you excited to talk uh, two Super Bowls? One that you think is kind of a dud, but then the other game that you think is most important win in franchise history. Are you excited? Without a doubt. I'm very excited. And to answer your first question, because you probably just ran through another question so because you didn't want to know how I was doing. I'm doing very well, so thank you for asking that. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, the 07 Super Bowl, Super Bowl 42, yes, that's the matriarch of all games. Um, the best win in franchise history, if you ask me, and I'm sure a lot of other people would say that too. But Super Bowl 21 in itself was a dud because the game was a blowout, but I mean... I'm not going to complain about a, a Super Bowl blowout, am I? No, it, and it was so. 10-9 at halftime, too. And also, yeah. we were – this is so strange. We're, you know, we'll kind of jump around a little bit, but it's so interesting. There was a graphic that came up at the start of the second half for the for Super Bowl twenty one, where, where John Madden and Pat Summerall were on the call. We're going to talk about them when we talk about this game. And just how magical they are, you know. And for me, mm-hmm. you know, snacks. Pretty- I, I know you got to you got to hear John Madden call a lot of games. Did you? It, when did when was Pat Summerall's career? When when did that span? Do you know on the top of your head? No, not off the top of my head. No, but he must have been done early two thousand. Yeah, so you didn't really get a chance to to really sit down and listen to him and appreciate him. I not appreciate. Did. No, I'm sure I heard him because I know he called like the um the O one playoffs. I know he was he was there. So I don't know how much longer his career was after that. So. To appreciate his greatness? No, not really. Yeah, no, and I certainly didn't. And I so, but you got to appreciate like latter end John Madden, but they yes. were they were miraculous. We'll talk about them when we get to Super Bowl twenty one. And I forget what my point was. Snacks, I forget what my point was. Oh, one point. Oh, they showed a graphic at the beginning of the of the second half in Super Bowl twenty one, and what that graphic was is all Super Bowls leading up to that. So the twenty Super Bowls leading up to that game, there was a ten point lead. Like, the average was 10 points. So, Super Bowls, largely back then, and I'm glad the, and I'm very glad the NFL has kind of turned a tide where every single year you feel like a game does come down to the wire. 
you know what, yeah. whether that's on purpose if you believe games are rigged or or, or just the qual- the quality of talent and competition in the NFL has gone up over the years so I'm glad that is the case but Super Bowls back then were kind of duds like it was just a team that was really dominant and then a team that maybe stumbled its way in there but it's ironic that the Giants also in 2007 stumbled their way in there too so stumbled right in there and what a great stumble it was so that's a that's a funny stat. I didn't know that the ten points. Yeah, kind of kind of strange. Yeah, I mean, early in the Super Bowl era. I mean, we could look up Super Bowls right now if we really wanted to. And there there was there was just a ton of games where it was blowouts, where Super Bowls would just be yeah. very boring. And I really feel like, I mean, off, yeah, off the top of my head, the Rams Patriots one really feels like the. It's like that was really boring. Other than that, yeah. Other than that, every year, I mean, I think it really it, recently it's been. It even started great. with yeah. the Patriots making all those Super Bowls, where yeah, they would they would make it entertaining. Yeah, you know, it's funny the greatest football dynasty in the world that always comes down to like the last play. Yeah, so yeah, so there are there there is a common fuck the theme. Patriots. Yeah, yeah, fuck them, fuck them. There is a common theme. And this is how I started off last week, too. We started off last week by talking about the common theme within all five games. I think there is very much a common theme within these two games. And at least the two teams that won the Super Bowl, you know, 1986-1987 team, 2007-2008. Particularly for 1986-1987, there was a drought. A long championship drought Mm -hmm. for the New York Football Giants um, where it was the last year of YA Tittle. They stunk. The, the last year of Y Tittle's career in New York, he absolutely stunk. The, they had a losing record. But then the year before that, there was a stretch of like four or five years. And I feel like we forget about this. As Giants fans, we forget about this. You know, well, it doesn't 70 years ago. But um, we forget that before, you know, we remember the Buffalo Bills making all those Super Bowls in the 90s. You know, however many, four or five in a row that they made. Four, yeah, and they four, yeah. And they didn't win one. The Giants were the same thing in the in the late 50s, early 60s, where they made all these championship games in a row against the Bears, the Packers a couple times. Vince Lombardi comes back to bite them in the ass when he leaves the Giants to get hired by the Packers. Um, you know, people people get salty about Bill Belichick leaving the Giants. You know, they a similar pattern with Vince Lombardi and Tom Landry, by the way. They couldn't get any of them mm-hmm. to stay or promote That's any true. of them. So um, wild turn of events and how that all transpired. And then they were bad. 60s, they were bad. 70s when the Super Bowl started, they were abysmal. Miracle in the Meadowlands. Um, Herman Edwards bringing back that touchdown. Um, I did a breakdown of that celebration snacks, the Miracle in the Meadowlands, the first one, not the second one. The first one. And how people celebrated big victories in sports. Like we were, we could just be a part of the action. We could just, we could just run on the field and be fine. Yeah, I, I always. It's funny you say that because every time I think of like fans running onto the field, I think of uh, Chamberless, Chamberless's home run, the Yankees, yes. in the in the championship series to go to the World Was Series. Was Reggie Jackson and barreling all, over people? Right, and they're all <laughs> storming the field, and he's trying to run the bases. And I would give anything. It's like if that happened, if the Giants were to do something like that, and we were just able to storm the field, like a college. It happens yeah. in a college game where they storm the court, or storm the field. I. Listen, I spent I spent time in the Meadowlands drunk tank. I don't know what where I would spend if we were able to storm the field. But funny how times change. The people were also dressed to the nines too. 
That's also right. the funny thing. I saw people like in blazers, full blazers, full like ties, and like running on the field. You're either in a full blazer or you're in a single color, mono color jumpsuit. There's no, there's no in between. There's no in between. No in between. <laughs> no in between. So they went from. I could respect. I could respect the fashion. They went from the dark days of the '70s, and then you know, boom, you know that game, you know, winning that game really signified like a, you know, a, a tide and a turn, turn a turning point for the franchise that was a laughing stock. Um, the NFL forced George Young, uh, almost like the NBA forced us some management on the 76ers. Like, Hey, you're, mm-hmm. you are so bad and you're intentionally tanking. We need to force, yeah, we can't we, have, this. we need to force a competent person to run your franchise. Um, right. they did that with George Young, except I think the giants are actually genuinely trying to win, <laughs> but George Young was forced on, on us. And then eventually, you know, here, here comes Parcells. Here comes LT. Here, here comes Sims. Here comes two championships. So, um, the state, the saving graces. Yeah. Yeah. And then similarly for Oh seven, I can't, I, I wish I could talk more about, maybe we'll, we'll pin this conversation for an interview when we have somebody who was like more of a fan, 86, 87, or someone who was just following the team about just like what that win meant for, you know, I can imagine it meant a lot, not just for New York. And, you know, we, we associate the giants with New York and New Jersey. Now or the parade, we do. parade is in New York, but you saw the? Did you see the documentary, The Jersey Giants? No, I never saw that. Whoa, we 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 may need to watch it. We may need to do like a live. Put it put it on the schedule. Put it on the schedule. Mark it down. Flex a flex schedule, but I flex schedule. It was on NFL Network, and I forget what the series was called. But they did. They had a whole documentary of like the transition of the Giants into Giant Stadium in New Jersey, building that stadium up, um, and. The fight for you know what their identity is, so I can imagine that wasn't just a big victory for the New York Giants and maybe the fan base that's kind of everywhere within the you know the the East Coast, but the New Jersey and its identity yeah. as the Jersey Giants is even at one point the logo was New Jersey. The logo and, the, and I was just, I was I was I knew you were going to bring that up. It was like red had the the Jersey. Um, yes. State. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, what I'm trying yes. to say how it's the state, the, the shoe, the, the little uh-huh. shoe, the yeah. thing, right in, uh, right in midfield. So, um, I, I have to check that out because my grandfather used to call Jersey Giants all the time. I have a, I have a hat that says New Jersey Giants because he always, he's like, we play in New Jersey, we're yeah. Jersey Giants. I can understand it, stubborn old man, but, um, you know, hopefully we spend more time in the city with the Giants than we do in New Jersey. Yeah. So that's uh for the ticker tape parades, Justin. I don't know if you did you did you to go to any? Yeah, I went to both. Oh, went to both. How were they? They were amazing. You know, actually, you know what was better were the um, quote unquote after party at they did at the stadium. Yes. So they they did the ticker tape parade and then they'd go back to the stadium. That was even better because you know you're not you're not like this and, and you see them for five seconds. Right, exactly. They, once they pass, they're gone. You can't keep following them or nothing like that. So they're there. They announce everybody. It's it's wicked, wicked, awesome. So we're gonna get into. I want to hear. I want to hear your explanation of what the 0708 victory meant to you, and what you what you think it it meant to like the franchise as a whole, especially considering Coughlin may have been on his way out. Uh, you know, uh, Eli, Eli. Eli might have been on his way out. You know, Tiki Barber being a fucking asshole that he was. Fuck him. Um, so I want to hear. That's the last time we bring him up, by the way. Oh, we're not allowed. No. No, that's it. One, no, one, once, one time per off season, you have to tell the Tiki story. Once. That's ways away. Ways away. Summer. That's a summer conversation. 
But deal. Summer. So we're going to kick off talking about Super Bowl 42 first. February 3rd, 2008, the New York Football Giants played the New England Patriots in Glendale, Arizona at the University of Phoenix Stadium. New York Football Giants won Super Bowl 42 by a score of 17-14 to 14 on a last-minute late-game touchdown from Eli Manning to Plaxico Burst. Eli Manning was Super Bowl MVP. Snacks, before we get into the over-unders or anything like that, talking about what Vegas thinks. This game, this victory, you know, we already talked about 87-87, what it, you know, what it might mean, you know, lo- having the losing stretch of championships, late 50s, early 60s, losing stretch of the 70s. What do you feel like this meant for the Giants franchise? What did it mean to you? Well, to me, I felt like a made man after that. You know, the um just the overall victory of it. What was the spread? 12 and a half? Yes. One of the lo- yeah, 12, see, I'm I'm sharp. But I was watching that game with like a hundred people, family and friends, and you know, around town and with my family. I'm like the the residual giant lunatic. Yep. So the Super Bowl with everybody watching, I almost felt like I was playing. Like the pressure was on me to, to go out and win. And just for me, it meant the absolute world. And being able to celebrate it with everybody, hugging, kissing, throwing food in the air. Uh it was it was surreal. For the franchise. Um, for that stretch of time, huge turning point because that was pretty much Coughlin's last year. Had they not been successful, um, everybody wanted him out. You, you saw it in the newspapers, the media. Coughlin's got to go. He's he's done. He's shot. Can't resonate with the players. Players hate him. Straight hands holding out of training camp. Can't coach. He's done. Yada, yada, yada. And Eli, too, because to that point, I don't want to say Eli was great. Um, I mean, he was good, serviceable, maybe. Uh, and there, so I think and there that also ye- were questions of Eli in a big game too, because oh, yeah. 05, I, they went eleven and five. They made the playoffs. Got ratted in in the playoffs. Oh six, they went eight and eight. They made the playoffs. So they they had a couple one and dones, and you know the, the talent around. I mean, you you can argue, and this is all you know. This is us looking back on it now. You know, Giants went out. They got Plaxico in 05. Um, Kareem McKenzie. Kareem Kareem McKenzie. Um, so Strahan was still around. OC was still around. Pierce was still around, you know, so all these guys that were on the team for a few years. And I, I think, you know, even before they won the Super Bowl, you kind of had high regard for, you know, time. Yeah, they, they were a solid, that was a solid roster. Time was, was kind of running was Eli, out. Right. Eli needed to take that next step. So I think that Super Bowl really propelled his confidence into uh different levels. Like, okay, I'm, I can do this. I've done it on the stage. I just beat Tom Brady. I just beat Bill, beat the Patriots, 12 and a half point dogs. I can do whatever the fuck I want. So um, I think it was just organizationally a huge victory, huge for Eli, um, and definitely huge for Coughlin. So that win meant everything. Now, everything. Were you at a point in your life? Did you? Were you ever at a point in your life where you were betting on the Giants, or did you just bet on everything? No, else? no, 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 never, 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 never bet on them or against them ever. That's a, that's a sin. But I mean, for a Super Bowl. Sorry, Will. For for a Super Bowl, for the spread to be twelve and a half, I know that yeah, that's ridiculous. I know the Patriots were the best team of all time, but if if I if I was a betting man, and and it's so easy to say hindsight's twenty twenty. I want to hear what you have to say. Isn't that like an insane? It's it's a lot of points, especially a lot of points when in week seventeen they only beat us by like three, right. or, or it was like a one whatever it were, maybe ten points to max, whatever. But they held them tight. The Giants were right there the whole game. To the very last second, and this was on a, so and this twelve is on and a half is site. a lot, and this is on a neutral site. Yeah, so that's 
That's so that's a, a lot of points, especially for everybody knew the blueprint to beat Tom Brady was to generate pressure on him, and that's what the Giants did yeah. best. So uh, very interesting that that was that was the spread, very high. And fifty four and a half. Well, I guess they were that they're going off of the first game where they're thinking, okay, the first yeah game, yeah yeah for sure first game's thirty and they're, they're probably they're probably automatically putting in thirty points for the Patriots right there right. Um, let's maybe let's start off with game ball shithead. Let's start off with shithead because you know we won Super Bowl. Let's leave off on a positive note, and then some other conversations can arise from shithead game ball. Who do you want to give your giant shithead to for Super Bowl forty two? So I I. Gave him a lot of credit last week, but I'm going to give it to... And there, this is like... I mean, the game is just so well played. Uh, I'm going to give it to Corey Webster. Mm. Because, yeah, because I mean, he did great against Moss the whole game. Oh, he fell but down. But he did slip. Yeah. He did fall down. And he caused a lot of unnecessary agita by letting Moss easily catch that go-ahead touchdown pass. Love that because, word. Because, yeah, I mean, it's agita. All agita. Um, so yeah, that was unnecessary. And I, you know, I thank him for all of his contributions and what he did, especially the week before, two weeks before that against Brett Favre. But that one pissed me off. So Corey Webster is my shithead. Hard to choose. All right. So it's 14 to 10 with two minutes and 42 seconds left. You know, Giants put together a nice drive. You know, Kevin, Kevin boss, uh, has uh, a big, you know, big gain in the, Early in, in the fourth quarter, where they're they're tagging they're they're tagging on his jersey and he's running down the field for twenty yards. I think Steve Smith has a really nice third down conversion uh, towards the red zone, and then Eli Manning puts a really nice throw together, which actually has a lot of similarities. That the Eli Manning to David Tyree touchdown. I was watching this and I'm like, holy shit! There there is a ton of similarities between that throw and the Victor Cruz and the catch and and the Victor Cruz touchdown. In 2011, because I was even watching Eli this game just overall. He was putting, he put zip, he put zip on the ball. He did. He had, he had, he had a little gunslinger in him. And the two touchdowns, you know, Cruz 2011 against uh, Patriots, first touchdown of the game. And then this touchdown, both had a uh, Patriots defender right there, where if the ball's thrown any slower, it's either deflected or it's intercepted. Or it's picked off, yeah. Yeah. And that. So he, he was, he was threading that needle. Yeah. In both games. He, in in both typical games. Eli fashion, too. Just not giving a fuck and throwing it where he wants to. Right. Just zipping it in there. And Cruz had the little bobble. And, you know, Tyree kind of... You kind of squirmed right. in your pants, too, a little bit. So, well, Tyree couldn't catch uh, anything great. that week. No, he couldn't. And I, I wanted to bring that up, too. And, uh, well, I'll bring it up in a second. So, who is we'll your save shithead? It. We'll save it. But my but yeah. my whole point is about, you know, bringing up that Randy Moss touchdown. Is it's four to, So, then... The Patriots go down, and I don't think you have any doubt because the the Tyree touchdown made a ten seven. So do you don't have any doubt in your brain that Tom Brady's going to come back and put another touch on the board, right? Not a doubt in the world, no. So it's like, fourteen ten. No. Two minutes forty two seconds left. Howard, because you know, I'm I'm at this point I'm a child, but you're you're more of a grown man. You can tell me your reaction, your feelings. What were you feeling at that time? Was there doubt? We're fucked. We're fucked. Yeah. I was like, it's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. You know, that that happens. Webster falls down. It's like, okay, well, that's our fate. That's what we'll remember. And this is Eli. Like, he's not, you know, he's not his brother. He's not Peyton. He's not, I don't know who's great at the time. Favre, Breeze, whoever. He's not He's not them. Yeah. He's not, we haven't seen him do it in that 
that big of a stage and in that moment. Um, we knew he could so, do yeah. the two-minute offense. I mean, that was that was. No, no, no. no. I, I, I know. I know. And we, but we saw that, that in the playoffs, too. Yes, I know. But, I mean, I thought we were fucked. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. But we weren't. So We weren't. So, my shithead. This is actually kind of kind of a good transition. My shithead or my shitheads, the entire left side of left side of the Giants offensive line. Cause really embarrassing. We 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 lose the game if Eli Manning does not miraculously get out of that pile. And I have the kind of the play by play here. You have Eli Manning pass to complete. That's second and five. So this was third and five. Third down. Yeah. Yeah. So Bobby Skinner actually from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. You you use the same level of energy Joe Buck used as well. Yeah, perfect, right? Well, you got to use. That's what I always refer to the Bob Papa call there. I I hate the Bob Papa call. Why? Because Tyree's not wide open. Oh yeah, that is true. He goes wide open downfield, Tyree. He makes the catch. But he wasn't wide open. He makes the catch. Oh, that that part. And and Carl Banks like, oh, my goodness. But but he wasn't wide open. When he threw that ball, you could see there's a – you had – James Harrison. All-world safety Rodney Harrison on him. James Harrison. That was Rodney I know. I said James Harrison like a dumbass. Oh, Oh. Oh, okay. Well, strike one. (laughs) Yeah. Strike one. But, yeah, I mean, like, I'm sorry, Bob. You're an amazing announcer, but – not wide open, not no. by any stretch. Uh, real quick, and then I'm sorry, I don't mean to steal your game ball thunder here, but did he ever like explain what he was thinking in that moment, Bob Papa? Like why why he said wide open no. when he clearly? I wasn't. mean, here, here's I mean, here's the thing though. I'm gonna tweet him an answer. Imagine how fast everything yeah, is happening true. because yeah. you have a stunt that's run by the Patriots, and I just rewatched a a, a Bobby Skinner breakdown. Where he said, "Make your Who? Bobby Skinner, good friend of the program." Um, he did a he Not did a familiar. breakdown and he and he kind of titled it "Make Your Own Luck," where I think a lot of people were saying at the time Eli retired, you know, when when somebody retires, you know, basically basically when somebody when something ends and somebody doesn't die, people like to shit on it. So people were shitting on you know. Thank you, Eli. People were shitting on Eli's career and, you know, not a first bell Hall of Famer. The helmet catch was a lucky play, blah, blah, blah. So he broke it down. He's like, look, this isn't luck. Sure, there are some, you know, you you need luck in football to win. But also the way that he broke it down, you know, there was a stunt that was run by the Patriots. Uh, Snee was was just on an island. You know, nobody was by him. O'Hara got beat. Soybrook got beat. Deal got beat. Everybody, everybody, everybody got beat. Everybody got beat. Everybody got beat. And... When Eli breaks containment, which is just, you know, tenaciousness, a tenacity just to do it, you know, when he's also a klutz, but <laughs> when he's a klutz yes, he is. Um, by himself anyway, but to also not just throw the ball away on third down and live to survive another down, you know, no. the Giants went at that time, they called their first timeout with the minute and 20 seconds left. They were on their own 44 yard line. They started the drive at their own 17-yard line. So in a matter of 20 seconds, they they barely went over 20 yards. Went 22 yards in 20 seconds. So That's not ideal when you need a touchdown. No, no. And they had the luxury of time with 2 minutes and 42 seconds with the 2-minute warning plus a couple timeouts. But you're looking at 3rd and 5 and you're at midfield and time, you know, 
time is dwindling and you need it you need right. a touchdown and Eli right. Eli was one to always say I always prefer a field goal I mean excuse me I always prefer a touchdown I always prefer you to get be complacent down you get complacent when you get in a field goal range and that throws your offense off. right or That's yeah it just call. it throws his, I think it threw his psyche off where it's yeah you know it's just like I don't know what I want to do um just give give that man one mission to put the ball in the end zone when it needs to be put and he'll do it so but that play kind of personifies who Eli Manning is and was as a quarterback, you know, to get get out of there, stumble out of there when he's a klutz. You know, it's not pretty to have that egg of a goose egg of a throw, which even on even on a even in a clean pocket, Eli will give you a goose egg of a of a throw and a goose egg of a spiral. And then to have David Tyree out of all people, uh, all pro special teamer, come down with the catch uh, on his helmet with all pro safety. Um, on top of him, which is Rodney Harrison, Rodney Harrison, not James Harrison. Um, just awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And that's, uh, it, it's phenomenal. And that, it's a great segue to my game ball and that's David Tyree. Oh. I mean, how could I not give it to him? The man, we were brought it up a little bit before. Um, but if you watch America's game, uh, the 07 giants, Coughlin and Eli were talking about how he could not catch the ball in practice. The last practice before the Super Bowl, he couldn't catch the ball. He said they dropped everything. And sure enough, this lifetime special teamer, dumbass, catches the ball on his helmet. And before that, scores a touchdown. Who else Who else got to give the game ball to? It's too easy. Yeah. Eli, I will say, that there actually is EPA data. I know. Here we go. I get, my, I get one time per episode to get super analytically. Yeah, you got 30 seconds. Even though the final box score for Eli Manning doesn't look that great, but the the way the pass game produced in this game was phenomenal. The EPA uh-huh. for the passing EPA per you know, like per play in total was was pretty pretty phenomenal. It was pretty pretty cool to see. So Eli Eli did deserve that MVP. But David, I mean, I just what a story. You also do deserve that MVP too. Um, thank you. So your game ball is going to Tyree. Your shithead went to Corey Webster. Tough, Correct. tough two weeks for Corey Webster. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> well, we we. I said some nice things about Corey last we week. We did. We did. We we said some good things. Go, we, hey, go listen to last week too. He's getting, you know, he's getting some burn here, right? Yeah. A lot of a lot of Corey Webster talk on the on the on the podcast. That is true. So most talk, most talks he's, he's gotten a while. Good. Any publicity is good publicity. They say. Always, always. No mail is good mail. My game ball goes to Jay Alford. Does he? What a hit. Does he deserve it? Maybe. No. Maybe not. But no. that is my favorite moment as a Giants fan. Sing, like when he when he bows up the middle and just crushes Brady. It looks at the time, I thought he murdered him, like mm-hmm. murder. It was like a it was like a Leonard Marshall or um Jim. It, it almost it almost looks like a Jim. It almost looked like the Jim Burt hit. The Jim Burt hit very was, close. That's Jim. Yeah, the Jim Burt hit was more of a bigger hit on Joe Montana, like where it just like it it hurt him. Yeah, you you could feel it. Like rewatching the game now, like I'll do you know four or five times a year you could feel it yeah but you feel that and it's it's uh amazing jay jay um, alford kind of hugged him a little bit i i called i gave jay alford the nickname the blueberry because he kind of soft well he he looked he or he took the quarterback his shape off. his shape just looked like a blueberry <laughs> yeah well i could tell you who didn't look like a blueberry that was kevin booth 
Ooh. Fattest ass in the Fattest league. Fattest ass in the league. I don't know why I thought of that. Sorry, well, no, you're talking well, about body. He type. was a starter. I think he was a starter in Super Bowl Forty Six, yeah. which is bizarre. He was. He was. Oh yeah. god, that offensive along line with, was so along bad. With great center, Kevin Boss. And I know we we've spent a lot of time on 07, but yeah. last thing, um, that hail mary to Randy Moss on the sideline, mm-hmm. that was kind of spooky. Like I, that was closer than it should have been. Just saying. I think I forget about a, that. I always remember how if Rob Gronkowski's it, it wasn't cl- it wasn't close, but it was closer than it should have been. I'll say that there was only two guys back there. I think it was Jabril and uh, Jabril Wilson and Corey Webster. Maybe it was Jabril and James Butler. I think yeah. it was two of the three, but way too close for comfort. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of things we didn't talk about this game. We may have to like. We should do right like back. we should do an episode where we do like uh, the a profile of season or something. But there's a lot of things we missed. We didn't talk about the defensive line and how they dominated Tom Brady. Um, Michael Strahan, Jacobs, fourth and one. Jake, Jake the the, the a, a terrible short yardage running back. I, I still to this day I don't I don't think he got it, but it's <laughs> terrible. Whatever, I don't care. Justin Tuck should have arguably been the Super Bowl MVP with two sacks, yeah, case. a couple QB hits. Um, big sacks. I think th- he also had a forced fumble in there as well. Steve Smith. Steve. Sp- Steve Smith caused the interception with the pass. To- with- there was like a he-, he like he did popped the ball up, but he did. But he redeemed himself. There was he- there was a lot of redemptions. We're including an Eli Manning fumble on third down. It spruits out. Patriots aren't able to recover it. Steve Smith covers uh, recovers it in front of the first down marker. So mm-hmm. he kind of made up for it. He caused the turnover and then he saved the turnover. Plus, uh, was there ever converted a third down? Was there ever? Well, he. Oh, I feel like every ball I, I, on the la- on the final drive, every con- ball that he caught in this game, and I'm pretty sure every ball in his career it was a third down reception. Yeah, he had like 112 receptions one year. I think they were all on third yeah. down. Yeah, his 09 season was was awesome. It's a sh- it's a shame he couldn't stay uh, healthier for a longer time. And and honestly, yeah, the hell with him. Well, honestly, it, it, 2009 was his first year as like, hey, you're the number one wide receiver. And he excelled. And he excelled. So I, I kind of wish that I don't wish Plaxico shot himself earlier, <laughs> but I don't wish he shot himself at all. But he got the chance to really shine. I think Steve Smith would be like the perfect slot guy in today's game, where even even in a offense where you know you have a number one wide receiver, he would still get maybe 70, 80 catches every year, but his catch rate would be somewhere around a hundred, a hundred targets. Cole Beasley. Yes. Yes, I love that comparison. All right, and I love Cole Beasley. We did for, we did forget a lot about this game, but we talked about it for a long we time. We did. We could get back to it. Yeah, we can get back. We'll to get it. back to it. Well, that's 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 the luxury of having this Giants history show. Um, history ain't going anywhere. Nope, it's a good line. Nope, that's actually that is very good. History ain't going it's like, anywhere. It's almost like saying invest in land because God's not making any more of it. Mm. So, Amen, Amen. Let's talk about um. 1986-1987 for a couple minutes. Super Bowl 21. Can't talk about it. wasn't there. January 25th, 1987 from the Rose Bowl in California. The Denver Broncos versus the New York Football Giants. The New York Football Giants won Super Bowl 21 by a score of 39-20. to 20. Otis Anderson. Nope, not Otis Anderson. That's wrong. Phil Simms was the MVP. Um, snacks. Game ball. Well, you just said his name. Uh, I don't know how you don't give it to Phil Sims. He went 22-25, 268 yards, I believe. Yes. yes, three touchdowns, no picks, flawless second half. 
Um, he was phenomenal. And for a guy who took a lot of shit that year and uh, just he, act, he he made his mark in Giants history yeah. forever. And he, for whatever he did after that, he's still known that that's the first Super Bowl. He was the ringleader of it all. And, um, you know, I'm not the biggest Sims guy. We never saw him play. But just what you hear and, and stuff like that, I'm very happy for him. So Parcells came in and he had Scott Bruner starting at quarterback because, you know, Sims went like three years in a row where he had season-ending injuries. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it was 85, maybe it was 86, whichever year. or It was it was 85. He started the year off with Bruner and the Giants sucked. And Parcells goes back to Sims and sure enough, he leads that magical season. So... A uh, little redemption tour for Sims capped off with a miraculous Super Bowl victory. Game ball, baby. The last one you'll ever get. Giants were nine-point favorites. Covered. Which doesn't surprise me because um, in particular when they shut out the – they shut out the Washington football – no, I'm sorry. They, yeah, they shut off the – no, they shut out San Francisco. They kicked their ass. They kicked and their San ass. San Francisco was much better in Denver. Yeah. Yes, they kicked their ass in the divisional round. Yep. And then they shut out Washington seventeen to nothing when they were favored in that game anyway. So and and Washington also lost six games that year, and the Giants lost two. <laughs> so that giant team was just so incredibly, you know, they dominant. were well-oiled machine. Yeah. yeah. When Joe, you know, Joe Morris was, you know, still still chucking along with the Giants too. You know, you, you, I kind of figure that maybe he's he's in this prime. You know, Bavaro's younger. You know, compared to four years later. Um. And that, that was probably a young Bronco team. Elway was younger, so um, that spread makes sense. Let's talk about Elway though, and yeah. sh- make sure make sure you show your friend Max the animal this. John Elway was slinging it a little bit, slinging it. He was slinging it a little bit. Yeah, he was a great quarterback. He was slinging, but in this in this game in particular, and uh, also let's let's talk about the connection. You know, again, I, I'm a, I'm a young fan. I was not around for 1989, so I saw on Pro Football Reference, just opening up, head coach Dan Reeves. I'm like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I knew because I knew from over the summer we talked about Dan Reeves, how he was the coach of the team for a couple years um, in the 90s. It was after Parcells' replacement comes up. Can't even remember his name. I don't even want to bring him up because he fucking sucked. Um, they hi- they promoted. Perkins? Yeah, they promoted. I don't know. Perkins, you said? I don't was it Perkins? I don't I don't want to I don't want to bring him up. It's going to it it caused a lot of people frustration on social media. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people frustration Parcells' replacement. But they people like Dan Reeves. I I kind of asked like is was Dan Reeves kind of like a a hire that we liked post Parcells replacement and people were like, I mean, "Yeah, kinda, he was respected." has to be, right? Yeah. He was respected. Again, NFL NFL with retread head coaches that even started in the in the 80s and the 90s. So, um the NFL really doesn't change much. Does <laughs> it really Hey, hey, what are the things that were pointed that I think we're going to point out? Um, you know, we point this out in history class in school, right? Where, you know, history you, know, you find that you know history repeats itself. The more things change, the more they stay the same. The more they stay. And same. you, could, Ray Hanley, by the way, you could say the same thing. Of, Ray Hanley, thank you. That was going to bother me. Sorry. And you could say the same thing about football, where even the Giants, I will say, on offense, just looking at them on offense and their offensive philosophies, a lot of pre-snap motion. That's something that we talk about today. I was I was watching it now. Every time they would put a wide receiver in motion, and they would put him on the weak side of the line of scrimmage. Than or or weak side of the field, I should say, like weak weak side of the field, we're opposite of the tight end. Every time they did that, 
and it was motion at the snap, you knew that it was going to be a Joe Morris run to the other side, to the strong side of the tight end, I think. So you mean to tell me, in the fossil era of football in the 80s and whatnot, the Giants were motioning people across the line of scrimmage? Who was the offensive coordinator at the time? In the 80s? Yeah. Maybe six? I have it right here. No, I don't. Never mind. I don't. Football reference doesn't say. Let us know in the comments. Oh, I know. It's no, it's 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 Ron Ron Earlhart. Never heard of him. Ron Earlhart has more intelligence in his left hand than Jason Garrett does in his whole fucking body. The fl- there was there was a couple flea flickers. Um, well, there was one I'm getting that out. Of there the was way. one flea flicker in particular where it was uh McConkey had two catches this game, two catches for some fifty yards, the six yard touchdown. Shout out to the towel. Which yeah, McConkey's towel. Shout out best best account on social media. Um, <laughs> where both you know obviously the 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 one of the most famous plays in franchise history where Bavaro has the ball in his hands. By the way, ball in his hands. Yeah. Phil Sims puts you know I he he had a contort a little bit, but he had two hands on it. Bounces off his shoulder pads, bounces off his helmet. McConkey's right there. And he falls on it. Somehow they're running the same route right next to each other. Don't know how that works, but McConkey. Yeah, right that's there. Jason Garrett. That's the Jason. Garrett that's Jason I know. Garrett. But um. But the flea flicker play that set up that touchdown in the second half, it was a 44-yard catch from McConkey where he was running a crossing pattern, and then flea, uh, Joe Morris flea flickered it back. Phil Simms stepped up. Nice throw. Wide open. Um, Beautiful throw, yeah. So there were some fun offensive things that the Giants did in the first half, which I thought set some things up for them in the second half because that's when most of their that's when most of their explosive plays yeah, they opened it up second half. Yeah, they it came in the second half. So yeah, um, fun game. So you, you yeah, well, it's a blowout. Did you give a game ball? Uh, my game ball is going to a good friend of the program, good friend of a good friend of mine, Carl Banks. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. he did not just do football as a hobby, by the way. No, well, I do this for a hobby, according to him. That was the joke. Yeah, he did not do football as a hobby. He he no. Good ball player. If Phil Sim, you know, if there was an offensive MVP and a defensive MVP, I think Carl Banks would deserve it. Um, Leonard Marshall had a bananas postseason, by the way. He had he had another two sacks this game. Yeah, he was a monster, huh? Very. I, I don't want to say underrated, but kind of is when you think yeah, about it. Yeah, and obviously it helps that when you have Carl Banks rushing the passer, when you have Lawrence Taylor rushing the passer. Um, George Martin had a safety this game. He also had a forced fumble. Um, so all these. I mean, even though LT. You know, LT, maybe Harry Carson, you know, those guys didn't put up huge numbers during the postseason, or particularly the two games that we looked at. The threat of them was there. The the threat of them is there, so it opened up George Martin. It opened up, uh, it definitely opened up Leonard Marshall. Leonard Marshall, you know, had, you know, game-saving play and, you know, game-changing play against San Francisco in the 90 championship, and then he also had, you know, two sacks uh, this game. But Carl Banks was everywhere. Carl Banks was making plays both in the run game he had a couple pass deflections, like he made diving plays uh, against some tight ends and coverage. Like he was just everywhere. Uh, he had a really good game. I mean, the the disreg- and I, one of the things that I noticed too, this is with Banks in particular, but with all these guys too, the disregard for your body and the disregard for your safety. They didn't give a fuck. No. Crazy. Different era. Psychopaths. Very different era. You touch the quarterback now, it's 15 yards and you get... You have to spend the night yeah. in jail. So, very different era, I will say. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be difficult to give a shithead. I here. don't. I don't really have a shithead. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't have one written down, but um, 
I'm always going to give one. So I'm going to give mine to Bill Parcells. Oh, this is this is controversial. I don't know if I like this. Why are you going to give it to him? Well, I know Bill Belichick was the D coordinator, but you know that's Belichick's principal, uh, Parcells' principles on defense, and they let up 20, 20 points, which is a little too much for my liking. And they only won by nineteen. Scored thirty nine. Couldn't score forty. It was, couldn't it run was, it up a little bit. It was ten nine couldn't and make a half fu- time. Couldn't make a fucking statement. So you only scored thirty points in the second half. That's it. And then you let up eleven. Mm, sorry, sorry, Bill. You're my shithead. Scoreless third. And quarter. I don't feel bad for it either. Scoreless third quarter. That that was the main difference in the game. So what happened in the fourth? That's true. Their four quarter game. The the changing point, like if you know you know the what the there's a there's a show that airs on Monday morning. Don't know if it still airs. NFL Turning Point. No, I have no idea. You've never heard of it. No, I've heard of it. I don't know if it's still on. I don't know if it's still on. But if if that was airing in 1987, the turning that point of that game would be in the first half. Um, oh. I don't know when. I think it, it's probably the second quarter. Could nah, it's second quarter. I would say second quarter. There was a fake punt. Sean Landed initially lines up for a punt, then it turns into a QB sneak, which I don't know how you're not adjusting. By the way. Like, they're not going to throw the fucking ball. Like, I don't know how, if you're not Denver and you're the special teams, how are you not adjusting to just crash on the A-gap? Because then, the you know, whoever the quarterback was lining up to, you know, fake the punt, I, you know, I guarantee it was the second-string quarterback. It wasn't sure. wasn't like a gun. It wasn't even a gunner that was lined up there. It was like it was a, it was a quarterback from the start, and they they didn't know that this was coming. Um then he got picked up, picked up the first down. I think it led to a, it led to a, a Mark Bavaro touchdown in the first half. So um, that was that was like the game changing point of the game. And also, why I say Carl Banks gets my game ball is because I want to clip this entire thing. There are in there's three insane plays that the Giants have to stop the Denver Broncos when they're where they're in the red zone. They have a nice big drive. They're driving down the field. There are three plays in a row that LT makes a play, Carson makes a play, and Banks makes a play. The big blue wrecking crew right there. Right right there. Like It was in succession with each other. They made three insane plays to stop the Denver Broncos from scoring, and then they missed the field goal. They missed the chip shot field goal, right. and then Giants get the ball back. So, you know, one of those things. It's one of those things, and again, I think we said this last week about some points, where you just, you just know. You just oh know. yeah, it's it's destiny. It's at that point, it's destiny. Yeah, you know, that goes your way. You know. Yeah. Um. Pretty cool to have linebackers. That must have been nice. Now we don't even have one. So. Wow. What? I'm not going to say anything. It's Giants history. Podcast. Do not say his name. Not even going to say it. it's Giants history podcast. He's on the team now. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. John, Any little chance I can get to, to dig at him, I will. John Madden, Pat Summerall, really good. Um, Very good. They were, I don't, did you watch the game? Did you watch some yeah. of the game? They were showing like, ne- I put this in quotes, they were showing like some next gen stuff. Did you pick up on it? Pro- no, I didn't. Now, now that you say that, though. They showed Elway's like completion percentage by target depth, zero to 10 yards, 10 to 20 yards, 20 to 30. They knew what that was in 87? It's that was a nineteen, and the crazy thing is, is that I crave that information right now. Like that is the information that I'm looking up every at the end of every game. What is Daniel Jones' completion percentage and the amount of yards he produces by target depth? You know, because it's not just 
And it's not just his, you know, his uh, completed passes, attempted passes, total yards. It's not just that. I want to see where he's completing passes, how he's completing passes. And that was stuff that was shown just on the broadcast. They And they had to manually keep track of it. It wasn't a computer that just kept track of it. There wasn't player tracking data. And then also, one of the other things that they showed, I think they showed this for a Broncos defender. They showed he was a defensive lineman. All of the different positions at which he lined up. He Oh, this amount of snaps next, next to the left tackle. This amount of snaps next to the left guard. Et cetera, et cetera, right down the, right down the offensive line. And I'm like, oh my God. Like this you is you would have been you're in heaven. This is helpful. This is like helpful information about like football players, what they're doing, how it makes sense with the game. Where I really do think football broadcasts, like watching it now, and then seeing what we do, like on Talking Giants, the way that we try to break down the game, and then seeing the way that John Madden and Pat Summerall break down the game, and it's like I'm glad they're not around because they would make us look bad. Yeah. And broadcasts today. Like, they make us look good because of how unintelligent they are. It's funny how that works, right? You would think nowadays it would be the opposite, but... There was a couple of minutes where John Madden was talking about the physics of... <laughs> I'll, I'll try to put it on the screen right now. I don't even, I don't even know if I want to know. <laughs> John Madden was talking about, like, the physics of how a spiral works with, like, the front of... Oh, do I have one on my desk? I don't, but, oh, yes, I do. So he was talking about the physics of throwing a football where he was, like, circling and drawing around, like, the nose of it right here. And he was, like, drawing circles over and over. He loved to use that fucking prompt oh, thing. Oh, he loved the board. <laughs> he really went crazy with it. Loved and, it. He, like, somebody dropped the ball on the Broncos, and he was describing, like, the physics of how a spiral works. It was insane. It was absolutely insane. So And people thought... John Madden was a doofus. Get out of here. Smartest man in the room. Plays chess, not checkers. I I may not remember what he was doing towards the end of his career. You know, old I can imagine old John Madden was wild was a wild time. And I may have to go back and listen to it, but prime John Madden. Oh, what it was a show. No one better. It was a show. No one better. No one better. I also wish they would bring back the Super Bowl to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. That was I mean, historic. I know it's the I know it's college, and I know it's like the big thing, the you know the Rose Bowls, the the big one in college. But that place is just so historic and beautiful. Was this the Whitney Houston game, or was that ninety? Yeah. Oh fuck! Wait, hold that, on. I think that was ninety. Let's, I think it was ninety. Let's check it. Whitney Houston. I'm going ninety. Whitney Houston Super Bowl, Star Spangled Banner. What Super Bowl did Whitney Houston sing at? It was 25, yes. Good for you. Bang. All right. Is there anything else you want to you wanna add to this to this show? I feel like we, we missed out on a lot, but I also had a really good time. I did, too. I thought, I, to be honest, I know we're going to go longer. We're, we say 30 minutes, whatever the case. But once we get on a roll, that's just what happens, and I'm not going to apologize for that. Um, then again, I don't have to edit it. But anyway, uh, no, that's um, that's really it. Two Legendary, great Super Bowls, one of which we got to witness and really propelled our fandom to different heights. So um, that was a great time. And the other one we get to appreciate, I kind of, I'm really enjoying going back and watching these games. I love that they're available on YouTube. Um, I love hearing John Madden, love hearing Pat Summerall, love seeing Bill Parcells 
love seeing what Bill Belichick is doing on the sideline. All that's just so fun. So keep on bleeding blue. We will see you next week. We are talking about Super Bowl 25. We are talking about Super Bowl 46. We will see you then. Keep on bleeding blue. Have a great week. Love you all. Thank you for watching. Uh, like, subscribe, comment, do whatever. We'll see you next week. Peace.